what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Scotty, it's the last week of 2018. That's incredible. I just, I think of 2018 and I was like, I remember back when everybody's worried about the world ending in 1999 when it was going to turn 2000. I was like, where did that go? <laughs> the YTK scare, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I was oh, thinking boy. about that. I mean, that that's almost 20 years ago. Well, this will blow your mind. It's been over 20 years since Chris Farley died. No way. Absolutely. I said the same thing. Devin, my girl was like, it's it, 1997. That's, that's not possible. December 18th. That's not possible. December 18th, 1997 is when Chris Farley died. I said the exact same thing. I was like, there's no way. Wow. I I can't even. <laughs> where did the time, where did the time go? With that. I don't know. It seemed like when I sit in school, the time, the, the time, the clock never moved. And as soon as I got out of school and I was racing, it just seems like the clock goes around in circles faster and faster and faster. Yeah. So uh, last podcast of 2018. So uh, figured we go out with a bang. Let's, uh, what do you got in store? Well, I think, you know, there's there's some races going on in January. So I figured we'd talk to two guys who are hosting a race themselves, Corey and uh, Robbie Bobby. C-Tex? Yeah, we've already talked and kind of got the backstory on C-Tex, who he is and everything, but it's not bad to touch base with these riders every once in a while and see what they got going on. He's been uh, pretty busy this offseason for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's doing a lot of cool stuff. We'll talk to him about that. So are we just going to call him up or did, does he know we're calling him or is it a surprise? I think he knows, but he doesn't know what we're going to talk about. Okay. You, you guys know how to talk to each other. You've, you used to do your own show. And we had Flat Track Weekly Radio Show. We did it every Tuesday night. We did it live. Yeah. And then it was, we we archived it or whatever. But man, that was like clockwork, just like what we're doing here with our podcast. Yeah. We haven't gotten to the point where we can do it live. We probably could do this live, but. Maybe. It's in it's in the future. Maybe. Let's call up C-Tex. Let's give him a call. Hello? C-Tex. What's up? How you doing, man? Nothing, it's been a nothing, while. Man. What's, what's been going on? Is this Flat Track Weekly Radio or is this uh, off the groove? This is part of the Flat Track Weekly Radio crew. I would say the better looking one, but you might want to argue that. Well, I'll say I'm the better looking one and the taller one. And, and <laughs> well, I have taller. to give you one, one. I'll give you one thing. You were born a day before me, so maybe I'm a day older than you or younger than you. Well, I'm younger more than, than you. a day. <laughs> no, nah, uh, I don't know years. about that. A few years in a day. How about that? Right. Yeah, we'll take hey, that. That's cool. So congrats on locking in plans for 2019 with G&G Racing, man. Are you stoked about that? Yeah, I'm actually really excited. I, um, I've i never really ran for a team. You know, I never rode for a team throughout my career. I've always kind of did my own thing besides when my dad was running our program. But for the most part, I'm, you know, the bikes are really good. They're proven. And I have a great group of guys behind me. And I don't have to stress about running my own team or all the logistics of doing everything. So I'm really excited about the new class, the production twins class. I think it's going to be cool for the fans. Everything's real equal. The bikes are equal. It kind of leaves things up to the riders a little bit. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. They've been testing the bikes out there. My buddy Chad Coase has been um, out in California riding the bikes for me and getting them dialed in. So I'm, I'm excited. Right on. Will you ride singles at some of the races too, or are you just going to focus on the production twins class? I'm going to ride a single. I'm going to announce that in the near future, but the plan is to give it another go on the single. I don't think I got a fair shot at 
proving what I could do on a single. Those kids kind of kicked my ass a little bit last year. So I want to kind of go back, ride the single. I'm changing up my program a little bit, but it's mainly just for me. You know, the production twin thing is cool. I'm excited because I love riding a twin. I've proven myself on a twin before, but I kind of struggled this past season. So there's some things I'm changing around in my program that's really going to elevate my game a little bit on the single. And I'm not sure if we're doing the whole season or if we're doing select races, but I'm definitely going to ride the single at certain events. And I'm actually really excited about that part of my program too. Okay. I'll be looking forward to that announcement. Um, you've also been riding some indoor concrete races lately. Are you just the king of you know, Timonium or how, how are you so good at that little indoor? Um, to be honest, Scotty, I grew up riding um, the concrete indoors when I was younger I never really rode anything but concrete indoors. You know, once a year, my dad would take us up to Middletown Indoors in New York, and we'd ride the concrete indoors. So I'm really comfortable. I'm, I'm confident when I go to those races. I I practice quite a bit for them, and, um, you know, I, I'm really prepared when I go to those concrete indoors. So I wouldn't say I'm the king because at the indoors, everything is so unpredictable. You could be the fastest guy there all night long. You go into the first corner, you – bang handlebars with another rider and you stall the bike and you don't even make the final. So um, I wouldn't claim to be a king of anything, but going to the indoors, I feel really confident. Um, I still want to race Jared Meese again on an, on an indoor. The last time we rode indoor at Mama Tried two years ago, he beat me. So I'd like to race Meese again, but I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. But, you know, Timonium was good. I had a lot of fun. That race was, is always a lot of fun. The fans are awesome and I had a good time. Right on. So tell us a little bit about your working on stuff for to help amateur riders. Is that just for the amateur grands, the, the flat track grand championships, or is it for a, a, a full season deal, or what's been going on with that? Growing up, the amateur nationals was the cream of the crop. Everybody that wanted to prove themselves showed up to Springfield or the coin, and we raced against the West Coast guys, Midwest, you know, the boys from the Midwest, the Michigan guys, and we never saw them all year until the amateur nationals. So I want to help make that event better. And I know that, you know, it's really expensive for these kids and families to travel to the event. So I'd like to kind of do something to raise some money to get some of these guys who are kind of on the fence about going to the amateur nationals, but I want to help them get there. So I, I, I started doing it on my own. You know, I was going to auction off some of my old jerseys, some of my old boots, gloves, helmets, things like that. And some other riders kicked in. Jared Vanderquay, hey, man, I'll send you a Harley-Davidson helmet. We'll auction off. Nick McFadden stepped up. Danny Walker from American Super Cam wants to donate a camp. West Coast Hot Shoes wants to donate a steel shoe. So everybody's been jumping on board with this program, and I'm really excited about it. So we're going to pay for – we're going to have these kids um, put together, you know, like an essay-type deal explaining why they feel they deserve to go. And the catch is I don't want them to put their name on it. I want them to kind of – I'm still on the side of how we're going to do it, but I want it to be fair. I'm going to have a panel of guys picking these kids, and uh, I want to pay for their entries for the week, pay for their, um, their wristbands for them and their families, and I want to outfit their bikes with a new set of graphics, CTR, and their sponsors, and really give them a professional look for this race and just get these kids to the amateur nationals because – I want that event to grow and, and prosper because I think it's important. You know, you look at Loretta Lynn for motocross and that event is, is huge. It's crazy how big like the motocross amateur nationals is and flat tracks kind of been, it's kind of been like, I don't know. It hasn't been as good these last few years. So I'm want to do my part to uh, make that as good as I can because these kids coming up are the future of the sport and I want it to be as competitive as possible 
you know, for years to come. Right on, man. Hats off to you for doing that. And, you know, the other writers for helping out and, and donating things too. So uh, keep us informed of what's going on with that and how, how uh, these amateur writers can get involved in that. And I'm sure they'll follow your social media. But the next big thing I want to talk about is the winter throwdown. Uh, it's coming up. You're, you're going to promote a race here in a few weeks. Where did you get the idea to promote a race? Um, to be honest, I don't know if I should be saying this or not, but I've been going to a bunch of races over the past couple of years at local races. And I've been seeing a lot of things that just kind of frustrate me on, on the local level and lack of promotion and just little things that you could do. Just take the effort to make these local races much better than what they are. And so I kind of want to, I wanted to do it on my own just to see if I, you know, I could give these guys a race they can be proud of, a race they can they can get excited about, give them some exposure. I have some TV TV coverage planned for it. We're going to online broadcast it. We got tons of product sponsors for each class. We're giving away um, top three number plates that were custom designed. We have podium ceremonies for each class after every main event where they can thank their sponsors. And um, I didn't expect it to be as much work as it, as it's been. I thought maybe I could just like – oh, we're just going to, you know, we'll do a race, blah, blah. You know, it won't be that hard. And, man, it's, like, consumed all of my time. So uh, I don't know if it's, you know, it's it's been an eye-opening experience for me, but I'm really excited. You know, eventually down the road I'd like to kind of branch off into the promotion side of the, of the industry a little bit and promote races and things like that. But, yeah, this is going to be cool. Uh, there's a lot of great companies involved in this race, and we got a lot of cool things planned, unique, you know, parts of the event that, you don't see at normal flat track races that we're going to do. And uh, it's been cool, man. Everyone's excited about it. So it should be a good race. And that's January the 12th, the winter throwdown in uh, Callahan, Florida. So how did you pick the racetrack? So I went down to um, Callahan, Florida. I went down to an SDTA race down there about a month ago. Um, A good friend of mine and sponsor, Steve LaBear from Stay the Course. They're um, one of my clothing sponsors. He goes to this track all the time. He's local to it. He's like, man, this track's really fun. Come down, check it out. We went down to it. It's a really fast short track, like a wet sand clay mix. The, the owner, Dave, he's a flat track fan. He, he loves motorcycles. He actually races in the Mad Dog class. And we got talking. We're like, man, I would like to promote something. Um, like I've been trying to promote something for the last few months, like a big indoor. And I haven't been able to secure a location and I went to this track and I rode practice. I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is a sweet track. This is where I wanna I wanna do my first race. Just because as a rider myself, I loved riding the track. There's plenty of room to pass. It's racy, it's not a single file racetrack. So like for me as a rider, I knew what other guys would want to come and travel to during the winter. I'm like, yeah, guys would you know, if they travel eight, ten hours to this race, they'll they'll be pleased with the racetrack. It's a great track and it's a go-kart track, but he keeps it wet, it's dug up, and it's just really fast. So that's kind of, you know, the angle I took with it. You know, if I like it, these other guys are going to like it. So that's kind of the whole approach I've been giving this whole race is as a racer, what would, you know, my peers and guys I race with, what, where, where would they want to race at? What would they want? So I've been kind of taking that whole approach to it. Right on. So are you going to have some different classes or is it like standard amateur classes with a few pro classes? So, yeah, we're going to have, I think there's 15 different classes. We're not going to overload the classes. You know, part of the problem I see with the local races, um, there's just way too many classes. Like, I get you're trying to cater to the riders and give them as many classes as you want, but you also got to look at catering to the fans and keep these fans coming back. 
you know, at the national level, they're doing a real good job at bringing, bringing in fans to the track, giving them a, you know, it's a show, you know, they're coming for the race, but you got to treat it like it's a show. And that's kind of what the approach I'm taking. Also, I want to, I want to cater to the riders and make them happy and get, and make sure they have a fun night. But I also want to cater to the fans and keep them coming back. You know, you can easily turn off a fan for, for life if they have a bad experience at a race. So I want to bring these fans and I want to do a, run a quick show efficient and just everyone have a good time. So we're running 15 classes. We're running a, a big pro class with a pro purse, a Randy Texter Memorial dash for cash. We're running a big hooligan class. And then just all the amateur classes I'm doing from the 50 CCs up to the vintage and the 40 and 50 plus every single class so far has a product sponsor. So if you finish top three in any of those classes, you'll get a product from the sponsor of the class. We have Arai Helmets, who's giving a brand new helmet to the 85cc class. Tommy Dumas stepping up with silver necklaces for the 250 class. We have Kicker Audio, Odai Grips, Tucker Power Sports, just so many people, Works Connection. So I'm really, um, man, everyone's been like, I'm like, I, I caught a bunch of my sponsors and people I know within the industry. I'm like, hey, come on for this race. Let's get these amateur guys hooked up. You know, these guys work hard. They they spend probably more money than a lot of the pro riders do and they deserve to have a good show, get good exposure and, um, and win some cool prizes. So been working hard and it should be, a, like I said, it should be a really cool event. I'm real excited for it. It sounds like an awesome event, man. There's going to be a, a whole month of racing down there in Florida. So hopefully you get a lot of riders. I guess there's two SDTA races, your race. And then our guest this week is actually Robbie. Bobby, he's having a, a pretty big weekend over at his track, too. So you worked with Robbie Bobby a little bit in the 20, 2018 season. You got any stories you could like to share about Robbie Bobby McClendon? <laughs> yeah, Robbie's my boy, man. He's so cool. Last last winter, he called me up. We went down. I took my whole family. I had, like, a five-month-old baby, and he just brought us into his house, did so much for me. And I was kind of bummed the way the season turned out. You know, I had a couple bad crashes in the uh, – last season most people don't know but i actually broke my wrist at the second round of the season in atlanta and um i didn't really talk about it too much because i don't like to make excuses for why i'm not riding well but the broken wrist and then i actually broke my ankle at um, sacramento so it was a tough season and i felt bad i felt bad for robbie because he put so much into my program and i was bummed that we didn't we didn't do more than what we were supposed to do last season so but he's a great guy He, he puts on races he's He's awesome. He does so much for everybody. And, um, man, I'm really complimenting this guy. <laughs> I got to back her down. I don't want to get a big head, but yeah, Robbie's cool. Um, yeah, most of our stories are probably not ideal for a radio show, but one of my stories, um, it's kind of funny last, last year, he actually broadcasted it on, um, Flat Track live, which I can't believe he was broadcasting this on, on Miriam's page, but we actually went to, um, it was his birthday and he was all stoked about it. And, he made Jared Vandercoy, Brandon Robinson, everybody dressed up in like a seventies theme. And we went roller skating and just like, just going roller skating with a bunch of racers. So like me and Robbie can skate pretty decent, but Brandon and Jared were awful at skating. <laughs> so we just like, we were roller skating in like seventies disco, Robbie shuffle skating. Um, we ended up going to like a bar and riding like a mechanical bull and it got real competitive. Like most racers get, it was competitive. So um, Rob's birthday party was a lot of fun, man. I mean, there's, like I said, there's so many different stories I could tell you about Robbie, but, um, man, most of them are probably not ideal for your show. 
Right on. Well, Corey, we appreciate you stopping by, uh, catching up with you. Good luck on your race that's coming up here pretty soon. And uh, everything you're doing for the amateur riders is really cool. And, uh, man, good luck in the 2019 season. Sounds like you're going to have your hands full. Yeah, I'm excited. I don't know what's going to happen with the uh, three classes if I'm going to have to ride back-to-back main events. But I've been kind of like training accordingly in case I got to hop off the single and jump on the twin. So kind of waiting to hear how that's going to play out, but yeah, I'm excited. I I'm ready to go. And um, yeah, you guys have been killing it on the, on the podcast. I listen to it all the time when I'm at the, at the gym on the stationary and I, I turn on the podcast. So um, big thanks to you guys for keeping some sort of podcast going within the industry and within flat track. It's really cool. And thanks for having me on to talk about the race and I'll uh, hopefully see you guys sooner than later. I got one more question for you. Are you really going to put Shana's brother on the back of your leathers for next year? <laughs> Man, it's starting to get bad, huh? Yeah. I mean, it was bad before when we were in different classes and Shana cut, she kind of got recognition just for being a really good singles rider. And I was in the twins and, and then this past season, I actually raced her. And for the first time in our lives, she kicked my ass all season long. So, um, man, I feel like I should. I think she earned that right to kind of, for me to have that on my leathers. So, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I've honestly debated it because most people they don't they don't come up and say, "Hey, Corey." It's more like, "Hey, that's Shana's brother." It's like, oh man, that's <laughs> getting bad. <laughs> right on. Well, Corey, thank again. Thanks for stopping by. Good luck with everything that's coming up. Yeah, thanks, Scotty. Uh, real fast, I just want to thank uh, four of the big sponsors for my race, Whole Shop Power Sports. They're an Indian dealership down there, and I want to thank them for coming on and helping me. Law Tigers, Evans Power Sports, and then Roof Systems put up $1,000 for the Randy Texter Memorial Dash for Cash, which is pretty special. You know, it's my um, we're doing a Dash for Cash for my father, so I'm actually going to suit up, race the one pro class, and, um, and hopefully make that Dash for Cash. So, um, thanks for all those sponsors and thanks again for having me on. Right on. That was Corey Texter, ladies and gentlemen. Always good to catch up with the riders, especially someone who's been as busy as C Texas offseason. Man, he is always busy and, and you know, he's finding good use of his time. He's finding good use of his old merchandise, you know, or not even merchandise. He's finding good use of his own memorabilia. Yeah. He's gonna help out some amateurs. I, man, I love what he's doing. He's got a lot of things going on. He sure does, man. He's busy. He's he, man. He writes. He's in the gym a lot. He's a personal trainer on he the side. He does his own little little uh, social media everything. stuff too. Yeah, he's got some live streams that he does here and there. Um, staying busy helps time go by. It's good. And he's raising That's a son. Good. Who are we gonna call next? I told you already. I forgot. <laughs> Robbie Bobby. I don't know this guy at all. I have, I have no idea what to expect. I just know he's funny as hell. I know he's funny. I know you wanted to talk to him ever since he put out his uh, his little Michael Jackson. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's a post on, yeah, his on Instagram. Yeah, face on the about- thriller. Dude, I've seen his social post for like the past year and followed. He's funny as hell. Like when Corey talked about that roller skating thing where they were all dressed up in 70s gear, I watched the whole thing. It was hilarious. Um, or what they streamed anyways. Yeah, he's, he's always having fun. I don't know when he has time to work in his family life with everything he does because i've seen him you know announcing i've seen him uh, you know promoting races i've seen him tuning for riders i mean he does everything should we give him a call okay let's call hello 
Is this the four-time baby-making champion? This is. This is four times I'm retired, but I went out on top. <laughs> Giggity. <laughs> four and done, I guess. I was one and done. I quit doing that a long time ago, you know. Kids are expensive, dude. They really are, man. They you don't, you don't realize it until they start, like, really needing stuff, like motorcycles or gym clothes for the girls or or whatever. It, it doesn't matter. It's all It all takes out of the racing fund. But it's so, worth it. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. Kids are something that people who don't have kids just don't understand. But, man, they're totally worth it for sure. So how did the name Robbie Bobby come up? To, who invented that? Was that before Talladega Nights, after Talladega Nights? Or are you the original Robbie Bobby? No, man, it's funny you mention that. It was literally right after Talladega Nights because they were like, did they follow you around and make a bunch of that stuff off of you? I was like, man, I don't think so. But, but yeah, I kind of see the resemblance in the, uh, the demeanors. And uh, it pretty much just stuck. And then, uh, um, so yeah, I, I like I liked it, and it just makes sense because I like to be fun. Yeah. So are there any other are there any other nicknames you can tell us about here on the podcast? <laughs> no, just just that pretty much. And, and baby making champion. Uh, my old middle school and high school nickname was Mister Boost Fade, but that's 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 too long to. Uh, it's actually still my email, which is funny because everybody <laughs> still has their emails from, from back in the day. But uh, other than that, no, yeah. that's the only real one I have. Right on. So other what than pound about for pound, McCl- that just happened. Well, what about McClendonshire? Man, back in the day, I uh, <laughs> since we're talking about everything, I had a little bit of drama with the ex, and she would always send over uh, spies on my MySpace and Facebook. So instead of McClendon, I just threw something at the end and, and it diverted them for a little while. So they figured it out, but I just haven't changed it back yet. All right. I got you. So let's get to know Robbie Bobby a little bit. You know, most people see you with the helmet on. Some people hear you, hear your voice and stuff like that, but I want to go deeper. So where were you born? Uh, I was born here in Pensacola, Florida. I've been born and raised. Wow. What's it like living yep. in Pensacola? You love it? I do. Well, you don't see anybody retiring moving up north, do you? Hell no. It's cold up here. Oh, uh, they love it. I know it. They love it down here. Uh, we do have the world's widest beaches, which is not a racist color. That's just the color of the sand. So okay. we got that going for us. Right. And, uh, I, I pretty much love it. We can ride year-round when it's not raining and we don't have hurricanes. So right. other than well, that, cool. it's all good. So how did you get into motorcycles? Uh, it's a family thing, man. I don't think I could have not gotten into motorcycles. My dad, grandpa started it way back in the day, and then they kind of went into business together. And then when my grandpa got old, my dad and mom basically took it over. And that's that's where I'm at now is uh, is kind of carrying the torch a little bit. They still they still run the show. I don't think they'll ever retire. But um, I've got my own. I got my own set of customers and my own people that know me, just like everybody knows my dad and my grandfather. So I enjoy that part of it. Are you working out while you're talking to us on the podcast right now? It sounds like you got some heavy lifting going on. <laughs> no, I mean, I wish I could say I was, but I'm eating ice cream. <laughs> well, of course you got, you got to work on that body. You know, that ski, that tone, <laughs> heavy breathing. <laughs> I'm watching cops and eating ice cream. <laughs> All right. So, Let's talk about your parents a little bit more. You say they run the shop, Julie and Dink. What's the name of the shop? And and are they, you say they're still heavily involved, and you just kind of come and go as you please, or what? Um, well, it's it's yeah, it's Julie and Dink, mom and dad. Um, 
And no, I mean, I, I say I come and go as I please, but uh, I'm usually there every day of the week, even Sundays. If, I, if I'm not gone racing or have something to do with the kids, then I am at D&D Cycles. Um, okay. it's, uh, it's pretty much my second home. We built a big old race shop, so I pretty much live there for the most part. Or now, uh, now with the dirt track, it's either D&D Cycles or the dirt track. I gotcha. So when did you first race motorcycles? Oh, goodness, man. Um, I first started racing probably legit racing right in high school, about 2000, 2001 time. I raced way, way back in the peewee motocross days. We had a really, really famous motocross track right in our backyard that, you know, Carmichael and Kevin Windham and everybody used to come to. And then um, after that kind of went under, I focused a lot on soccer. But after that, I kind of got back into motorcycling and really loved it. Because uh, I've always, always been really competitive. Um, and soccer being a team sport, I'm pretty selfish. So if you sucked, I was going to let you know. And that doesn't really go a whole long way with the team thing. Right. Um, so I figure in racing, if I suck, then it's my fault. Okay. I get so it. So that, that made it easier for me. I'm pretty selfish like that. But if my, my desire to win is that strong. Okay, so what was it about flat track that drew you in? I mean, you said you did some moto when you were little, but why flat track? Uh, another funny story. So we were just doing trail riding and stuff around high school time, and a guy named Lou Snedden, who was uh, world famous for leathers, maybe maybe nationally famous. He made a bunch of guys' leathers. Heck, he might have even made yours. Um, if you see old racing photos with the LL on them, that's yeah. Lou. Well, he lived like 20 minutes from us, and he was friends with my dad and grandpa. And he uh, he decided to open up a little track that was running go-karts, and that's how we got into it. Um, I had a, uh, a TT500, and we called it the Chinese torture chamber because the thing <laughs> would, like, try and wreck you no matter what you did. You could You could change the shocks. You could change the forks. You could do whatever you wanted to do. And this fucking motorcycle was going to spit you off no matter what. Did that motorcycle make you a better rider? If you could ride that, you could ride anything? I think it made me a tougher rider. I'm not sure about a better rider. I had to walk yeah. a lot of shit off. Yeah. <laughs> we, so we, we did. And then my dad, my dad being the same old guy that he is, he still swears to say, there ain't nothing wrong with that motorcycle. I can lean that thing over and drag the handlebars. And uh, and he's completely full of shit. And I hope he listens to this because he knows he's full of shit. That bike handles like a a wet bag of dicks. Wow. Does do you? St- <laughs> so does he still race? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I knew you were gonna ask that. No. And a brief story there. Uh, so my dad is a unique character when he's on a motorcycle. I love him to death. Would do anything in the world for him. But he's that guy that put it this way he could line up right now on his piece of shit tt500 next to jared Mees on a full indian and be like that's some bitch can go through that corner that fast so can i oh, and he geez. will wreck himself over the fence because there ain't no difference between jared Mees' skill set and his skill set they're both humans <laughs> and that so so yeah so you can imagine me and my mom had to scrape him up off the dirt too many times so she retired him but to this day, that's how my racing came about. Even in the road racing stuff. Oh, well, you know, Matt Mladen can do a 23 at Barber. Why can't you? Right. Uh, well, I'm not that good, Dad. Bullshit. <laughs> you're a human. You got two wheels. Go do it. 
So that's that's his Man. mentality at every race, like, which is cool. But then it, it, his racing, you know, it it, it really sucks because he's also a terrible team player as far as he's the dude that expects everybody in the pits to push start him, but he's gonna <laughs> sit his ass on the bike and make you push him while he's still sitting on the bike, not even helping push. Yeah. So we don't even try and bring that up anymore. He's limited to an electric start CRF 150. That's it. Huh? That's all he gets right now. That's done. So that's his flat tracker. That's his motocrosser. That's everything. (laughs) Sounds like you got him dialed in. So I've heard your voice a lot on some, some flat track live feeds. You've been doing some announcing, I think up at traveler's rest. And I think even at, at, you know, some, some racing going on at the track right there where you live. So are you trying to take my job? No, I am definitely not trying to take your job. Uh, yeah, anytime you hear me on the microphone, it's because they couldn't find anyone else to do it. And so they, they try and talk me into it, I promise you. Number one, I definitely don't take a dime for my announcing because I suck. But number two, <laughs> the last thing I want to do is try and think of shit on the fly that quick. So no, I'm not trying to take your job. Although it would be cool to sit in the booth with you a couple times, maybe next season, and give some color, color commentary without the well, uh, the cussy words, but uh, I was, I was going to say we had to find we'd have to find that bleep button, and they'd have to be ready to push it. So uh, yeah, it's, no, it's a little bit harder than it I looks, isn't it? It's it's harder than it looks, right? Oh my god, yeah. Oh man, people have no idea. Uh, I mean, you don't generally get too much too much bad press from what I read online, but um, I I encourage anyone to to try it themselves if, if they think they can do a better job because. It's one of the things where until you actually do it in front of like more than three people, you need to just shut your ass up because it's not that easy. Right. It's like, you know, people say, oh, you just you just sit there and talk. Well, there's a whole lot more that goes into it. So enough about me and my big mouth. Let's get back to you. So you run your own events at that track right by your house. And what's that track called? Yeah, that's Pensacola Dirt Track. Um, it's been around since 1969. I had a wild hair to try and run my own track. And then the owner said, hey, I'm, uh, I'm selling this thing, so you got first dips. So um, we uh, went down and, and got a loan, and with a little bit of help from a really good friend of mine, we got a down payment going, and uh, the rest is history. So I'm still not so sure that was the best idea. I love it. I love it more than anything lately because me and all my friends can go and ride whenever we want to, which was the goal. But uh, running your own race track – people don't realize how much more difficult it is because if you go and you say you lease a place, you know, well, when you leave, you're done, you know, you, you, you've either made your money or you lost your money. Well, in my instance, when I leave, I have to figure out what all I got to fix from last time and put that money into fixing something else and fixing something else. And if you have a little bit of money left over, you can pay your employees. So don't even think oh, wow. about yourself getting a paycheck. Right. <laughs> But so at I that, can still say I have a dirt track. Right on. So at that track, do you race bikes, cars, mini sprints? I mean, are they just are you just focusing on bikes right now? No, man. We race just about everything if it, if it can fit on the track. Um, we're gonna try and get into some little bitty cars, but right now it's mainly motorcycles, go karts, quads. Uh, we've had mini sprints a few times. We've had these little things called slingshots, which are pretty bitching. Um, uh, that's about it. Um, okay, but uh, it makes for a neat. Oh, lawnmowers! I knew there was one redneck thing we were forgetting. Lawnmowers; those are pretty cool too. You don't realize how fast a lawnmower can go, but they they get yeah. going. 
those guys that, that drive those things are crazy too, by the way. Yeah, I know. They're just like sitting on top of a shopping cart, just ready to get wrecked at any moment. But they, they handle it, so more power to them. Right on. Well, let's talk about 2018 just a little bit. Uh, we kind of kicked off the year at Daytona, and then Bubba Blackwell and myself actually came over to Pensacola. You had us both come over. Uh, you had a end, well, it was kind of like an indoor short track. Then there were some MMA fights, and we'd race, and there'd be some boxing matches and stuff like that. And then Bubba jumped on the next day. Are you planning on doing something like that again this, in 2019? We are. Um, I'm actually planning it uh, currently. Um, unfortunately, I won't have Bubba or the boxing thing. Um, I'm trying to focus a little more on the racing side. Not that it wasn't cool watching Bubba jump a Harley. Who doesn't like that? But um, exactly. Again, people that don't realize, even though it's an XR750, you know anybody can jump a 250F or a 450F. But when you have a big V twin jumping that far, it's it's pretty uh pretty intense. But uh. So we'll be doing that. And then um, fortunately, but unfortunately for me, um, my cousin through marriage who runs the uh, Island Fights, who we co-promoted with, he got a deal to co-sanction his Island Fights through UFC Fight Pass. So long story short, he's kind of moved. Yeah, he's moved up in the world. And I wish I could say it was because he's done some badass events with me, but I think it's just from putting on good fights. But um Long story short, we, I, I can't afford him anymore. <laughs> but uh, so, but anyway, so we're gonna do the Panhandle Clash, which is coming up here in about three weeks. Uh, it's two solid days of amateur racing, three different types of events. Um, we're gonna have pro classes as well. But uh, so I got that going, and then we just sealed a deal for the Saturday after Bike Week. We've got a big ten thousand dollar purse uh, pro race about 45 minutes away from Woodstock. So I'm hoping the date works out well so some of these guys can come and get some seat time before Woodstock on a track that's pretty much identical. So lots of big things, uh, big things in the works. Um, I don't really slow down as far as race promotions, but um, I got some other cool things I wish I could talk about, but I can't. But uh, let's just say I want to try and help out a lot of racers next year. All right. So while you're talking about that, we'll – We'll talk about, you know, 2018. At the start of the year, you worked with C-Tex, you know, Corey Texter, and then Cameron Smith a little bit. So um, how hard was it splitting your time between those two riders? Uh, well, it worked out to – it wasn't too difficult. Um, Corey and I, we started off great at the beginning of the year. Uh, we won a bunch of outlaw stuff. We struggled a little bit at Daytona, and uh, we rebounded to what I thought was pretty good at Atlanta, and then – the big one happened um, when I'm sure everybody remembers when there's like 48 riders piled up on the back straightaway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of set off a little bit of downward, downward uh, spiral. I think he might've gotten his, his confidence a little bit wrecked, but as I worked on him, he always knew he had the speed, but you know, that class is no joke, man. There's a lot of talent and a lot of, uh, a lot of kids that are putting it all on the line. So, um, so Corey went out west, and unfortunately, I couldn't commit to all that. So he had um, another guy helping him out, uh, Luzak, which uh, did a good job for him. And then I um, hooked up with uh, Cameron um, after Atlanta. We kind of worked together with Atlanta as well, but our main uh, goal was to try and try and get through the rest of the season. And uh, we got a fast qualifier at Texas. I think we got a couple uh, pretty good finishes in there. But with my 2018 schedule being pretty hectic, 
I just can't commit to, or I couldn't commit to the whole season, which I really wish I could have, but um, my own personal stuff kind of interfered a little bit. But, um, but yeah, both the guys are great to work with. They're very different personalities. I can tell you that right now because I've got such a long history. Like with Sammy, I know exactly like what he likes. I know when he's pissed off. I know when he's happy. Well, with Corey, you can definitely tell when he's pissed off or when he's happy because he's going to let you know right then there. And then Cameron, he's just kind of always smiling all the time. So you're like, hey, man, you're in like 20th place. Oh, cool, man. You know, like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. you know, if that was Sammy or Corey, I'd be getting wrenches thrown at me. Um, right. But uh, it's just their different personalities. I mean, you know, they're both uh, obviously super talented dudes. One's at, um, you know, they're at different points in their careers, I guess you could say. But uh, much respect to both of them. You can't hate on them. They're both some of the fastest guys that we've got in our series now. That's, right. that's pretty cool. Yeah, Cameron, man, he's a solid rider, and I think he's due to be on the podium, you know, at any time. I think he's getting better and better. He's getting more confidence, and and man, he's he's a he's a very talented rider. Oh, he's super talented, man. He's super talented. I've been lucky to spend a lot of time with him. Also, uh, great great family, great group of guys. I think he's uh, possibly teaming up with the High Hopes guys, who's another awesome group um, for 2019, or or part of it. Maybe I'm not sure all the details, but. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just a matter of time for him. He's just going to put a couple more things together, and um, I mean, he's so close to the podium, and and even winning, you know, it's I think it's, it's bound to happen here sooner or later. Um, yeah, he's just got so much talent, and just when he was at the house and uh, at the track working with me, you know, you almost have to pry him off the motorcycle. He just he just really enjoys riding, which is which is a, a really good thing. You know, you gotta you gotta have fun. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's a real quiet dude, and I know you spent a lot of time with him. Tell me something that I don't know about Cameron Smith. Sorry, I had to take a drink from my peach tea over here. Um, so, first few nights he was staying here, we got him in my my kids' room. You know, we I got so many kids, so I can just rotate rooms whenever they need to. Well, I would like if I wake up in the middle of the night or have to use the restroom, so I'd look down there and just check on the kids, and the light would be on. So I go and turn the light off. And I wake up in the morning and the light would be back on again. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Uh, sorry, Cameron, but <laughs> apparently he is scared to sleep with the light off. So ah. the light, uh, yep, yep. I thought that was pretty funny, man, because I still pick <laughs> on to this day. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's, apparently he's, he doesn't like to sleep with the light off. That's something we didn't know behind the scenes. I love it. So I, I've seen you win quite a few flat track races. Actually, I've announced quite a few of them. And, and But just recently, didn't I see you win a road race somewhere? Yeah, man, we uh, we did. It was, it was cool. I hadn't been uh, I like doing my thing, man. I, haven't, I don't specialize in anything, really, except for uh, kicking Jared Mee's ass. But um, other than that, um, I just kind of hang out and do my own thing. Well, um my buddy Miles Thornton, who has done some dirt track and is a very good road racer, is riding for a team called Altus Motorsports, and um, they had some uh, some bad luck and needed a rider. And unfortunately, it was two rounds, and I could only make one. So I called up Miles like, "Hey man, um, let your guy know I'd be interested in potentially riding that bike." And more more like a joke because I've not even ridden a road race bike in over two years and it'd been even longer after I've actually raced one. You know, I've done a couple of track days. Well, miles got the owner on the phone and, um, and he was kind of interested cause I guess they saw that I do pretty decent at that particular racetrack. It's kind of like my home track. And, uh, 
So we kind of put something together. It was pretty cool. I threw together my own road race, uh, my own road race bike and went to Talladega to the track day, and um, got to feeling pretty good. I was a little bit off where I should have been, but for being off a bike that long, I was kind of expecting it. Well, we went to Birmingham for the Moto America round and uh, um, got to ride the bike for the first time and, and struggled a little bit. It was definitely not set up for me because I'm a fat shit. Um, so we had to do some suspension, uh, a lot of suspension and geometry stuff to to suit um, me pulling around an anchor. And the um, we got it pretty good, man. I think the first session, we ended up like fifth. So I was still about two seconds off where I wanted to be and knew where I could be. But then, but with that class, you only have one practice and then two qualifying sessions. So I, um, we used the first qualifying session as another practice. Threw on a set of tires and uh, went out there and, and put in and P three. So um, we were and but we were P three, but we were only like a couple tenths off. So I was starting to get a little confidence going, and then I was really next. I was concerned about my fitness. Um, I got Corey actually helped me with this. Um, we uh, he he put me on a crazy crazy tough training regimen I guess and rowing where I was trying to not puke all over the YMCA for like two weeks straight. But the um, the final qualifying I didn't even put new tires on and I wanted to do some long long stints to make sure I could uh, my body could go the distance and um, and shit man we put it on pole so uh, so the team owner was like super stoked that was like that might as well have been a win for him um, well. You know, as all the racing goes, you know anybody can turn a fast lap time, but you got to do it throughout the whole race. And um, basically, man, we had a we had a good battle. Um, Chris Turner, who had been in the Red Bull Rookies with uh, JD Beach and uh, Cameron Bobia, I believe, was going to be the, the guy to beat. I figured. Plus a couple other ringers they brought in. There was uh, Justin Felice, who everybody knows him through his dad, Jimmy Felice, um, California guy, and, and some others. Well. We got into a group of like four of us, and we kind of checked out. And uh, I just kind of feeling out where I was strong and where I was weak. And um, I knew I was creating a hell of a large drafting surface, if if you will. Um, <laughs> so I knew I had to. Uh, yeah, it was like it was like I was racing a Humvee, and they were in like little Corvettes. Um, so I knew I had to kind of make it work through the corners better. So we really. For morning warm-up, we made some some critical changes that helped with my front-end feel. And um, so, long story short, I kind of stalked him for most of the race, made a few passes here and there just to see where I could. And um, it was kind of like a, a story, fairy tale textbook ending to the race, man. I, uh, I threw a Hail Mary on the last lap, last corner, and I was just in my head. I said, well, I'm either going to win it or we're going to end up in the gravel trap in a freaking yard sale. And... Um, <laughs> I think he realized that once I had the wheel, I don't know if he necessarily backed off, but I think he realized that I wasn't going to back off. And I was prepared right. to, uh, I was prepared for us both to be sliding along on our asses. But uh, long story short, man, it worked out and I won. So, man. Uh, so I went, so, uh, yeah, it was pretty sweet, man. I was pretty excited. Come out of nowhere and, and win a race. And then tell me about your victory lane poses you were doing. I mean, I've never seen anything like that before. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's funny. A bunch of the panic apparently hadn't seen anything like that before. Man, I was, I was just super excited and stoked. And um, you know, uh, the Yamaha guys were coming over cheering. I, like, uh, it was, it was so cool, man. Because even like 
the super right guys like Heron. You know, I go way back with him. I worked on his crew for uh, Daytona Career before. Um, JD Beach and Jake Lewis. Everybody was coming over, like high fiving and and cheering me on. And uh, it was just it was just cool, man. It kind of egged me on a little bit. And um, the uh, the series is kind of kind of straight laced. You know, like everybody has to think X no on the podium and and this and that. And you know, it's so monotone. And shit, man, I went up there and just let them have it. You know, I freaking unzipped my leathers. I let my belly flow right out the front, just all sexified on the podium. And uh, it was great, man. Um, so then I got to do all the interviews on the Road Racer World, and they were, you know, laughing at me and or laughing with me, at me, to me, all the all the above. And it was just good, man. So we went back, and, and uh, they wanted to take some pictures and stuff with the bikes. I said, all right, well, I need to take my shirt off and lay down in front of the bike. So... I did my best. Uh, I did my best. Mike Concho butt spread pose. I did it all, man. It was great. It was great. Um, I th- there was no I think shame to, in my game. I think we need to use one of those pictures on the, you know, for the, this episode. Would, would that be all right with you? Yeah, that's completely fine, man. I got, I got one of them. I'm laying in front of the bike with my. See, here's another thing that was just great that the officials didn't really know how to take this because you know how everybody has like a custom pit boards where it says, like, their number or their nickname. Well, I had two of them made with gold metal leaf because gold is kind of like my my, my uh, trademark. Trademark, yeah. One, si- <laughs> one side said Daddy, and the other side had my Pound for Pound logo on it. So um, <laughs> so I got, yep. <laughs> it was fun, man. So we got pictures with those on there and, and everything. It was, it was a really, really good time. I wish, I mean, let me rephrase. I'm road racing is kind of on a decline in America. I feel like right now, unfortunately, but the good news is that I think we all agree that flat track is killing it right now. Yep. Totally agree. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really, really stoked with the, uh, with the, uh, the, the way AFT is going in the future. It just seems so, so bright. You know, it's, it, I, we're not at the, the camel pro big, big, big money days, but I think that we're definitely on an upward swing. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. So you just talked about your road race win. I know I saw you win in Ocala just a few weeks ago. What would you say is your most memorable moment of 2018? Man, there's too many. There's really too many. Starting off the year, winning a bunch of races with Corey was was badass. I mean, it was, you can't you can't take anything away from that because you know those are two bikes that I had down to the bare frames. I mean, he brought me two brand new bikes, and um, from from every last nut and bolt putting them back together and it's immediately shit. I think he won like three out of four just in the Daytona and Savannah time. Um, so that was pretty cool. Then, uh, then Daytona, I got to, I got invited up on the podium with Justin Brayton or, or I snuck on the podium with Justin Brayton, one of the two. Um, so that was cool. Um, I won a national championship, uh, in the vet class, which, which is pretty cool. I wish there were some more riders, but the guys that were there were pretty fast. So that was awesome. Um, never rode a bull taco before. Won a race there, so that was really awesome. And of course, the road race was awesome. I mean, it's it's been a really really good year, man. Um, you know, just on on a racing note. But then I had a little girl in April, so she's uh, she's got me wound up right now. So yeah, I think there's too many just too many exciting moments. But my best moment in 2018 is uh, is my Paisley for sure. But as far as racing moments, there's been too many good ones. 
Right on. I, I love it. I love that answer. I love, you know, how you put your family in there too. And, and, you know, I've got some more questions about that a little bit later on, but let's talk about 2019 just a little bit. Do you have any bold predictions other than you beating Jared Meese? Oh, you know, if, if I had the same bag as Jared Meese, I would wear his ass out. These guys just let him punk them around like this all over the tracks, man. Like, <laughs> and I thought JD beach was going to wear them out of Daytona. And I can just see myself just slide jobbing Jared, putting him in the hay bales, and him just crying so loud. But then he'd shake my hand because he knows who his daddy is. But um, but no, for 2019, my predictions on like championship runs. You mean? Yeah, championship runs, race winners. You know, oh. new new people showing up. You know, that used to road race. I mean, what what do you think is going to happen in 2019? All I know is there's going to be some fireworks, man. Like for uh, for the twins class. I mean, it's hard to count out Jared because, you know, I hate to say this, but, you know, he is he is dialed just about on every level from his crew with Kenny and them. Um, clearly, he's a freaking maniac for fitness, so you can't count him out. But I'm super stoked to see the Bauman brothers together on Indians. Uh, Bronson's a dear friend of mine. Um, Briar treats me like shit most of the time, but Shane is cool, so I'll give him the credit for that. Um, <laughs> but, Briar, you've gotta, you've got to – respect his abilities man did you see a space shield after uh, that one race yeah metal lands anybody else golly um but then look at like henry wiles everybody's always kind of counting him out unless it was a tt and then other than jared he was probably the most consistent wasn't he yeah he he was and he so, finished second on the points quietly you know nobody was even getting him you know a lot of consideration and you know he finished second and man he had a an awesome year yeah, yeah. So, so you know, he's already so dialed on the smaller tracks, and then obviously the TTs. Um, so you gotta, you gotta wonder uh, if he's gonna keep that rolling, and he's only gonna get better, you know. Um, and the Hulk Hogan mustache is is just another notch on the belt for him. Some, we'll some see, not another, um, re- another reason to cheer for him, right? Oh, no doubt. You know, he got. I think he got rid of the mullet, but the mustache is there, so. You know, or the, the molestash, um, <laughs> as I like to call them. The, um, uh, but then, you know, you, you can never, ever, ever count out Brian Smith because he just, like, fucks with you on the miles. You can watch him. He's just, you know, he's got his helmet on, and he's smirking on the miles. Just like, you know, come on back to me. And, 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 and shit, man, look how many times he's done it. He's like the modern-day Scott Parker. Um and then, you know, he's capable of winning um, smaller tracks, too. So, if he can clean up his, his TTs a little bit, I think uh, I think he's got another championship chance. Um, man, this is fun. I like doing this. Let me see. Who else can we talk about? Uh, um, well, I really, 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 really would like to see uh, some Harleys get it together up front. Um, I think we can all agree that that um, you know they're unfortunately not so far showing their true abilities of Sammy and Jared and you know Brandon and Kenny and all them. But uh, um, but uh, I think I think those guys getting their, their shit together better would uh, would be a lot better for the sport, and they'd be a lot better for my computer screen. I've gone through like three of them punching it, waiting for Sammy to move up. Yeah, I get pretty frustrated. 
what do you think about the production, you know, productions twin class? Do you think that's a good idea? You know, give, give these young kids a chance to ride. Oh, there's so much, so much talent. And I think it's a brilliant idea on AFC. Cause here's the thing that some of these young kids, they're stepping off a single and then they're going to get their dicks knocked in the dirt against me's and Smith and all these guys because they have no experience. So they're not going to gain any experience if they can't even make a main. So this class is going to create a lot of that. I think giving them the experience of, of returning a, a twin for more than just, you know, eight laps. So I think it's a great idea. Um, um, you know, and I like the idea that they don't have to, you know, have a $50,000 Indian for a couple of reasons. You know, they don't always have that big budget, but also, you know, if they can learn how to get a Cowie hooked up and they get on an Indian, perfect example would be Bronson struggle, struggle, struggle on a Cowie but it just made him ride the Indian so much better. I mean, he came out of nowhere and boom, podium. So right. yep. um, there, there's so many good things with that production twins class, just from a entry level, you know, $20,000 bike to where you can really see if you've got what it takes. You know, if you're finishing 10th or 12th in production twins, you can pretty much say, well, maybe I shouldn't be trying to move up to uh, the big boy twins. But, you know, you're finishing on the podium on the box in the production twins class, then you know the next step. And, and you know, Jared and the boys are going to be waiting for you, and they're going to welcome all the competition. Absolutely. I agree. I like the class. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, more action for the spectators, uh, you know, riders on different motorcycles. I'm looking forward to it. So a few weeks ago, I saw on social media that you were down there at Daytona, and I saw you over at the, at the racetrack. Is there anything you can tell us about or – what are you doing hanging out with my boss? <laughs> Man, I wish I could tell you more. I really do. But for the first time in my life, I had to sign some paperwork, so I can't tell anybody. But I can say that it's going to be an awesome, awesome Daytona. And uh, and I know for a fact the folks at AFT are working their asses off to make this season better than last season. And I'm not even on the AFT payroll, and I'm saying that. So if I had some shit to talk, I'd be talking it. But uh, Cameron and them guys – um, obviously Michael and them, but, um, you know, it seems like there's a whole shitload of little elves over there working their asses off, uh, nonstop. And then I got to hang out with my friend Giselle too. So she's, uh, she's, she's busting her butt. So it's cool to see her getting, uh, her getting a gig with AFT. Cause I think we can all say that, uh, that they're making a huge presence in social media. Yeah. She's doing a, she's doing a great job and she, she's a friend of mine too. And I think what she's doing is great. And you just brought that up. They were out there in Arizona testing on that new track. Did you get to see any of that? And what are your thoughts on it? Man, I did see it and I am stoked. I think that that's something that, that needs to happen too. You know, they need to branch out to some new facilities. Um, I know there's some other venues that are, you know, on the chopping block potentially or, or got the chopping block, however you want to say it. But you know, when they're bringing in a venue as cool as that, um, you know, you got to kind of give and take. And and clearly, we all wish that we could all have a 52 race series, but it's just not going to happen. So um, we need to make room for some other stuff and try some new things. And I think with this track, you're going to have to make sure that some bolts are tight for sure. Because looking at the videos, man, they're sailing them things off of the jumps. And uh, yeah, you know, you watch old school pictures and stuff of Valdana and them guys at Peoria and, uh, you know, they're launching them things. And, and I think that's what we're about to see some more of this year is, is, is really catering towards the fan experience. Um, you know, the, the spectators want to see the biggest, 
the baddest bikes going flying, you know, just like in AMA Supercross, you know, the two fifties are cool but when the four fifties are hitting third gear pins, you know, 150 foot triples, you know, you just, you're in awe. And that's what I think we're going to get this year is like the Holy shit factor. Right on. I like it. And I think, you know, going to a track like that, we could even possibly pick up some new fans that have never seen flat track before and they might get hooked just like everybody else is. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. You know, you know, there's a bunch of trophy truck fans in that area. So, you know, and that's a, that's a pretty expensive area as well. So if you get all these new people coming out to check it out, then that's only a win-win. I mean, even if they only buy t-shirts, but you might find the next, you know, Tim Essenson or, or Stitchfield that says, hey, you know what, I might want to put a little bit of effort into this. And, and next thing you know, you know, more just simply amazing dudes helping out the sport. You know, and that, that's how it starts. You know, you got to get yep. the excitement out there. You got to really show the people that, holy crap, this sport is fucking awesome. Yep, I agree. So before we called you, we called C-Tex and uh, want to talk about his race just a little bit. But he wanted to know if you would tell us about some late night car shenanigans that you guys have done before in the past. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's meaning uh, our repo Joe. Uh, and uh, and I'm not going to say any names, Corey, Chad Coase, Sammy Howard, anybody. But, uh, oh, Brandon Robinson was there, too. Long story short, uh, I had a little side gig doing repos. Um, for, uh, for a family member of mine and, uh, they were, Oh, hold on guys. You're not, you're going to love this. You're going to love this one. Hello. What you got for me there? Ah, yeah. My pizza just got here. Can you imagine how cool is that? The pizza has been delivered. Am I the only person to order the pizza during the show? Yeah, absolutely. So I got that going for me no matter what. Yeah, yeah, you're me. You got that um, first. Take care of. Uh, hold on, I got I got now. I got science. Your pin is terrible, man. There we go. There we go. Okay. Be, be sure and tip them. Awesome. Oh, I tip. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Okay. So, more uh, than more than more than sixty nine cents. I did. No, 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 no. No. See, that's something Corey would do. He'd be like, "Oh man, it was only a dollar. She had to sit in the air conditioned car." <laughs> He'd be talking some shit like that. <laughs> so yeah, okay. we uh, we got to play Repo Joe. So uh, it was supposed to be easy stuff. Like, hey, these cars run, just go pick them up and bring them and store them. So I'm like, sweet, no problem. Well, I said sweet, no problem. Everybody else is kind of skeptical, you know. They're like, oh, uh, Rob's got some weird ideas going on. What's going on here? And I'm the guy in the background saying, no, just trust me, it's cool. Well, clearly none of them ran, like not even a little bit. So we've got like 38 jumper cables. Um, so we got like jumper cables strewn about. B-Rob, I got him running back and forth to AutoZone buying batteries and shit. Of course, none of them have any gas. So we're like siphoning out of this and that. And, and they're all just grumpy as shit. And I'm sitting here thinking like, well, this is pretty cool. I'm trying <laughs> to remember, we had like two of them that were hardcore that stayed to the end. But this started like 6 o'clock at night. And by the time the last two of us got home, I think Vandercoy was uh, was another one of the soldiers. He was he's down for whatever, you know. Right. But he's a good solid team player. Like like Jerry's my boy. We finally get them all over there, and, and everybody's just grumpy as shit. I think uh, B Rob had had enough. Um, Corey definitely was done because he had him. Then Amber was all mad at him. 
because he was taking too long and it was just it was a mess it was one of the things we'll always remember because we're sitting there to the untrained eye we were stealing cars like right? half the AFT <laughs> field could have been in prison for stealing cars even though <laughs> it was completely legal but it was such greatness to it there was so much greatness that um and, and you could just see it on their faces because something like Corey. That fool probably never even had a speeding ticket in his life. And here he is, like, helping me jumpstart. And, and we got, like, all these car keys just strewn over the ground, like, trying to figure out which ones go to what. And he's losing his mind. And everybody else is losing his mind. And here's Vandercoy just like, screw it. Let's get it done. And so, so yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a remake. Players. I'll give him that. All right. Sounds like a remake of Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah, the bootleg version in the ghetto. Yeah, there <laughs> we you were, go. There you go. The, this is definitely the uh, the remix. All right, I got gotcha. you. So we're at the part of the episode now where we ask you Graham's question. I'm not sure how many episodes you listen to, but uh, Graham is my grandma, and she, she wants to know. She said, you seem like you're always having a good time, no matter what, joking around. Is there ever a time when Robbie Bobby gets serious? You know, realistically, yes. Uh, it doesn't matter if, as soon as I put my helmet on, I know this sounds cheesy and it's cliche, but just for Graham, whenever I put my helmet on for that brief minute from from staging to the green flag to probably about lap three, I'm super serious. Then I just get happy and I'm having fun. You know, there's times when I'm, if I'm struggling, I'll be a little bit, you know, grumpy, but as far as being serious, like when I'm doing that or like I'd say building an engine is why I'm serious because I like to be left the hell alone if I'm doing that, if I'm concentrating. But right. other than that, man, I'm, I'm always having fun. Yeah, that's obvious for sure. So now we're at the end of the episode. It's time for our rapid fire questions. I want you to tell me the first thing that pops into your head. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Favorite bike you've ever ridden? Rotax. Oh, and favorite Jason track? Tires XR750. Okay, all right. Uh, favorite track? Yep. Favorite track is uh, Daily on Springs, Florida. It's a cushioned half mile that rarely really? gets ridden. And, huh. yep, yep, we raced there several times. And then uh, and the original Savannah is, uh, is my backup choice. All right, I like that, too. Uh, who has the best nickname in flat track? Man, top. Top three, I'd have to go with. Uh, I like Slamming Sammy, of course. He's my bro. Um, right. I like. Uh, I like. Uh, I, I'm not really a fan of the Jammer. I, I know a lot of people like the Jammer, but I don't. I think have such a cooler nickname. I think, but uh, I do like Hammer and Hank. And uh, and and this is not a bad thing to say, but I tried to get Cameron to market himself as Black Magic, but yep. he didn't want to go with that. I thought that would have been how badass would that have been. That, like that he had like a little cool. voodoo theme going. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that before and I know he just wasn't ready to go with that. So why don't you give no, Jared Meese a new Nick? Why don't you give Jared Meese a new nickname then? Uh, asshole. We could, I don't know if I can announce that over the PA, but I mean, we could try it. <laughs> no, no. I don't know. I don't know. This is good for him because it has to be something like, I don't know. Like you have to tie in his like work ethic and, and just his demeanor, because, you know, he's like, he would really, he really would do just about anything for anybody. 
but sometimes he does come across as just an asshole. And I know I do as well. So it takes one to know one, but, uh, but I don't know. I'd have to think about that, but, but I will work on one for him, for you. And, uh, and I'll have you something good for sure. What about Pitbull? That you can actually announce. What about Pitbull? That would be a decent one. Yeah. Yep. That would be certainly a a decent one. Cause he kind of resembles the, the musician also. Oh, there you go. Wow. Yeah. About the same height probably. Mr. Worldwide, so, Jared. Mead. Mr. Worldwide, there you go. <laughs> so, um, what what flat tracker looks best on roller skates? Uh, besides myself, would have to be of the ones I've seen. Would have to be Corey. Um, he didn't skate on quads like everybody else. He got the blades, but he was he was oh. really versatile. Like Corey's a pretty good athlete anyway, just in general. So you can tell he's got good balance and good uh, good moves. Um, not really a flat tracker, but I feel like Thunder would probably be decent on roller skates just because he's a natural athlete also. Right, right. Um, I feel like – I do feel like uh, Jared would be terrible on skates, Jared Meese. Um, I don't have any proof to go from that. But he doesn't seem like he'd be that coordinated in that aspect. Like, he's really good at most things. But I think he would probably suck on skates. I'm going to have to ask Nicole. All right. So what is one thing you'd change about the Pro Series? Um, well, I mean, unrealistically, I'd say, you know, every single router needs to get paid, but meaning not, not meaning like purse money, like, like if it's NASCAR, you know, like I would love to have more of a NASCAR feel like how cool would it be to go to the races and see a bunch of freaking Sammy Halbert jackets in the, in the grandstands, you know, or, or go to Walmart and see Jim, um, Jared Meese t-shirts, you know, that's, that's what I'd like to see. And I think we're on the way there, but, um, but that's an unrealistic goal right now. Um, you got to start somewhere. Right. So who's your favorite flat tracker of all time? Oh man, that's a good question. You said rapid fire. I'm struggling, you know, uh, and I just started watching him not long ago. I've always known about him, but, uh, I'm gonna have to say Rusty Rogers just from the YouTube videos I've watched. Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to say they've got their Dick Mans or Scott Parker's even the Jared Mees and stuff, but, Man, we, I don't think there's any time, even rolling out on the track for practice, that Rusty Rogers wasn't like exciting looking. I mean, that fool yep. is probably the only person I know that can bend a set of handlebars, you know, just and still finish the race, like just from yanking them things so hard. Yeah, he was he was an animal. He was all over the place, and that human highlight reel was definitely a, a suitable nickname for him. So, is there a? So, I mean, and and I don't know him at all. I've never met him in my life, but. Is he still around? I don't, you don't ever see him or hear about him anywhere. Is he just like doing the family thing or does anybody know? I'm, I'm not real sure. I haven't heard from him or seen him in a long, long time. You know, I, you know, some people just kind of have to walk away because they miss it so much. And when you go to the track, you just have to get back on the motorcycle. So maybe it's like that. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that we need to figure out a way to get him to the track. Oh, can you imagine? Well, it would be a bad idea because nobody would loan him their Boltaco Astro. But man, right. can you imagine the bent frame that that thing would have after the hero? <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing would be twisted up. <laughs> I know. He's, you didn't even wreck when my bike's totaled. <laughs> yep. So, but uh, we do need to figure out a way to find him and get him. Yep. Yep. I get. I got you. So there's a new movie coming out next spring, The Life of Robbie Bobby. Who do we cast to play the lead role? Brad Pitt, probably. He's good looking, like you. Yeah, Brad Pitt or uh, Benicio del Toro, who is Brad Pitt with spices. Okay, I got you. If we're doing for the Spanish market, we got to change it up. 
Yeah, we got dub okay. it. <laughs> so, so All right. One last one. Do you think Corey Texter okay. should put Shana's brother on the back of his letters? Oh, absolutely. I do Hell too. Yeah, he should. Yeah. He should. Yeah. He totally should. I mean, if nothing else, just to make light of the situation. Because, I mean, let's be honest, she's getting a ton of spotlight, which is well deserved. Don't get me wrong. Right. But, you know, he's, you can't, I mean, the dude has got crazy work ethic. I mean, he's the only dude. I know that will be like, hey, man, I'm freaking bored. I'm just going to go run 10 miles. And you're like, what? Like, I'll get in my car. I don't want to drive 10 miles. Yeah. And uh, so, 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 he's, so I think that would be hilarious. Now, if he does that, then Briar has to put Shana's boyfriend on the back of his leathers. That's yes. Fair. Yes, I agree. So, I mean, that's that's only fair. So, you know what? I'll I'll call it right now. If whoever's doing that letter, if it adds another hundred dollar upcharge, I will pay it for yeah. both of them. That, that'd be awesome. I will I pay think that. You have to do it. Yep. Right on. Well, oh, I'm down. We're at the very, I, I definitely will do it. Right on. We're at the very end of the episode. I know we mentioned your event a little bit more. Is there anything else you want to talk about the Panhandle Clash, or these people need to follow you on social media, or how do they how do they learn more about your event? Man, I wish I had a Twitter, but I don't. I don't know how to do all that twat stuff. So uh, just go to Facebook, and it's uh, the Panhandle Clash. But I will be at Corey Texas' event, probably winning oh. the first Okay. Right. So, um, and on the podium, on my podium speech, I'll talk about the Panhandle Clash some more. Okay, good. So now we're at the very end of the episode, and it's your chance to say thanks to anybody if you want to. Man, I just want to thank all the racers for real. Um, they're amazing. Even even the brand new ones next year, like I'm a super fan of all of them because uh, I know I've been there. I know what they put themselves through. Um, but I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing uh, these three amateurs we got coming up into the pro ranks next year. Uh, there's a few of them, but um, Brandon Kitchen, he's going to be staying with me. So I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited about Dallas Daniels. And I'm definitely excited about Trent Lowe. And I think that more people need to be like Jerry Sixfield and um, Tim Essenson and support the sport because those guys are the absolute backbones right now. And, uh, and I think that we all owe them a big old round of applause for, uh, for all the effort they do. I the love of the sport. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's all I got to say about that. Robbie, Bobby, thanks for your time. Get back to raising your kids and, and uh, maybe become a five-time baby-making champion. No, no, no. She's in bed right now. That's not going to happen tonight. But I do have pizza sitting here waiting for me, though. So, uh I appreciate the call, and uh, hope you guys got some good stuff. Don't hit the bleep button too much. All right, we'll try not to. Thanks a lot, Robbie. <laughs> All right, man, see you guys later. There's your Robbie Bobby. Man, he's funny. He's always having a good time, man. That, there's no doubt about that. One thing I like about that guy is he does not hold back, and he's funnier than hell. Yeah, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't beat around the bush. He couldn't tell us a few things, which I, I can understand that, you know, contracts and like he, he said, he signed his name, but I know for a fact he was in Daytona. I know he went to the Speedway, but that's all I know. So mm-hmm. sounds maybe. like there's a lot of cool stuff in the works for uh, 2019, though. Yeah, he's and I was I was surprised how excited he was. I can't wait for 2019 myself. I mean, it's going to be here before we know it and uh, we'll be racing soon. Well, the year is only a week away, even less than a week away. A couple days away. A couple days away. Wow. 2019. Once the new year starts, all the news keeps flowing, and we get pretty pretty busy here, ramping up until March, until Daytona. But 
it'll be fun, man. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I think we should ramp up and uh, try to figure out how to cover a little bit more as we lead up to the season, too, because everybody's going to have a little bit more to talk about in the next couple of week, weeks and months. So figure something out here. Contracts are ending for some people, yep. so maybe they can announce some more things. So I think that's coming soon. Um, you know, four races we've talked about, you know, over and over again in Florida in January. Uh, there's some indoor stuff. There's ice racing stuff going on. And then everybody's, you know, gearing up for uh what's coming up um in 2019 also and i didn't want to forget this but steve nace is racing this weekend for this uh his ethan gillen memorial race at decoin indoors oh, he asked nice. me to be there i unfortunately have to be in colorado uh and can't make it to every race so yeah. i had to put family first this time but uh i hope to have a big turnout they usually do they usually do it right around new year's eve uh so it just didn't work out because new year's is on like monday or tuesday but um I hope everybody, you know, has a great night tonight and tomorrow and uh, and wish everybody well. That's awesome, man. Well, we're going to put a button on uh, 2018 and uh, we'll talk to you next week, the first week of 2019. 2019. It's crazy. I can't believe it, Carter. It's nuts. Have a good week, everybody. We'll talk to you next Friday. <laughs>